for the actual cost certification, you know, we typically start anywhere between 50 to 75% of construction completion. We can you know, perform the bulk of our testing on the closing costs as well as construction costs incurred to date, uh, which can really help you know, minimize work on the back end and you know, speed up the turnaround time after the final costs have been incurred. Welcome to Buzz House, a Bakertilly podcast where you can find all the buzz around multifamily housing. I'm Don Bernards, the partner in charge of Baker Tilly's multifamily housing practice. And I'm Garrett Gibson, a partner at Baker Tilly, also specializing in consulting on multifamily housing transactions across the country. Each week, we'll bring you a guest or a topic in the multifamily housing industry that will help you win now and anticipate tomorrow. Let's get started. We are very excited to welcome into the Buzz House today our colleague here at Baker Tilly, Jeff Blattner, a partner of ours who spends his time in the real estate and construction sectors. Uh, Jeff is joining us today to let us know what are some key considerations and things to remember around your cost certifications for low-income housing tax credit projects. Before jumping in with Jeff, we have a few updates from around the industry. The big news around the affordable housing industry was the White House announcing a new housing supply action plan to increase the supply of affordable housing over the next five years. The plan includes both legislative and administrative actions to address the shortage of affordable housing. Building off the administration's announcement last September on immediate steps to increase the supply of affordable housing. And of course, the House passed Build Back Better reconciliation proposal. Specifically, the plan calls for financing of more than 800,000 additional affordable rental units by expanding the housing credit and pressing Congress to pass the provisions in the House passed, again, reconciliation legislation, which of course included the big topic that Garrick and I have talked about a number of times, lowering the bond financing threshold from 50% to 25% to of course, allow more deals to access tax and bonds and 4% credits, increasing the annual housing credit allocation for 9% projects and providing basis boosts for properties serving extremely low income households and Native American communities. The administration also reiterates its proposal in the president's fiscal year 2023 budget to allow housing credit allocating agencies or the HFAs to provide a 30% basis boost, really with a discretionary to 4% bond finance properties. A couple other minor items. The plan also notes that uh, the administration will pursue unilaterally a pledge from the IRS to finally get out the uh, average uh, income test. Many of you know is income averaging. Uh, Derek and I have talked about that as well, and just a kind of a, effectively a freeze on projects utilizing income averaging right now. And then also ask, asking and, and, and urging Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to continue to grow their equity investments in, in the capital. Of course, with the deadline to pass reconciliation legislation approaching and midterm elections also nearing, uh, the window is kind of getting very narrow for these proposals uh, to get approval. So we'll kind of keep our eyes on that as we move forward. Just one other thing of note that we want to let our listeners know about is the National Council of State Housing Agencies, or of course NCSHA, announces awarded grants to six state housing agencies to develop strategic partnerships with hospitals and health organizations to finance affordable housing. Many of you, of course, you know, know health is housing and so forth. Uh, quality housing is a social determinant of health. So really the grants are the foundation of the NCSHA-sponsored Healthy Housing, Healthy Communities Partnerships Initiative which aims to leverage the state HFA's role at the center of the affordable housing system to attract significant health institution involvement 
and elevate community level leadership in addressing the worsening housing affordability crisis in, in America. The six states that receive these grants are Colorado, Illinois, Nebraska, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and the state of Washington. And we're very excited that this kind of late summer, we'll have Tracy Kaufman with NCSHA on our podcast to discuss how the rollout of these grants is going. Now excited to uh, jump into our discussion with Jeff. I can turn it over to Garrick. Thanks, Don, and you know, really excited to have Tracy Kaufman on. And uh, congratulations to the those finance authorities who who won those awards. So, Jeff, uh, uh, thanks for being on the the Buzz House podcast. Um, before we get into some questions, uh, we usually like to start by letting our listeners have a little background of who our guests are. So, go ahead and and uh, just discuss your role with Baker Tilly and what types of projects and clients that you work with. Yeah, thanks, Don and Garrick, for having me. Uh, I'm a partner on our real estate and construction team. I focus a lot of my time on affordable housing projects, uh, in particular, light tech and historic tax credit deals, as well as other HUD projects. Uh, my role on these projects is primarily uh, issuing cost certifications and other related reports, as well as financial statement audits. Perfect. So in the context of cost certifications, which is uh, you know usually one of the most important steps before submissions to get your 8609s, what are some of the best practices uh, that you're seeing regarding timing? Like, when, when would you like to start on that engagement? And uh, what work works well to be efficient from your end? Yeah, ideally, we'd like to be involved as early as possible, even prior to construction. You know, try to identify any potential issues early. For the actual cost certification, you know, we typically start anywhere between 50 to 75% of construction completion. We can you know, perform the bulk of our testing on the closing costs as well as construction costs incurred to date, uh, which can really help you know, minimize work on the back end and you know speed up the turnaround time after the final costs have been incurred. Thanks for that. So, I mean, even just moving forward from that idea, right? Because obviously, going back and forth, I know you said you like to start at seventy-five percent, but I know a lot of it's dictated by the types of information that you're receiving, you know, and how well that information is put together. So. What are some key items or documents that, you know, a, as the auditor of performing this, that you wish you had that you typically don't receive? And, you know, what kind of schedules would those represent? Yeah, for the most part, our clients do have good records. You know, it all starts with having a really well organized draw schedule, uh, costs broken out into good categories, you know, and, and underlying invoices for each of the items. Uh, some things we don't always get uh, would include. An appraisal that breaks out the value of land versus building on an acquisition rehab deal. This is especially important as you know, land doesn't qualify for eligible basis. So an allocation of that purchase price is necessary. Uh, an appraisal that specifically breaks that out is, is typically very helpful. Uh, also, you know, at times there are costs that are paid out of operations or maybe are accrued and not paid at the time the cost cert is done. So a nice schedule of those types of costs is very helpful. Uh, without that, it's it's very easy for these types of things to be missed. So, it, it, assuming you don't get an appraisal, usually what are you having to do in that instance? In, in that case, we need to get our valuation experts involved uh, and help uh, determine or help uh, determine an allocation of that cost, evaluate the overall value of the property, and allocate that between land and building. And would we still do something like that? Let's say if uh, um, we do get an appraisal, but it's uh, how old, uh, how new does it have to be in order we, before us to do that analysis? 
we would still do that even with an appraisal, but having that appraisal really makes the process a lot easier and cleaner on our end. Perfect. Jeff, you know, um, you know, obviously looking at that information, you've got obviously construction costs are probably, you know, 75% of these of these project costs. Maybe it's an acquisition, you know, maybe obviously acquisitions uh, a bigger piece. What are some of the key, you know, line items in the development budget do you tend to focus on? You know, what are, you know, I'll call them risk areas, but areas where you got to really look and, and especially when you're looking at, uh, you know, eligible, you know, I know one part of your job is to just, you know, kind of make sure the cost exists, but the other part is kind of looking at eligible basis. What are some of those areas you really kind of focus on, you know, on the eligible basis? Yeah, yeah we focus a lot on the areas are there may be more gray areas or things that need to be allocated between different uh, categories. Uh, for instance, like I just said, land versus building is is something uh, that we spend a lot of time on. You know, also, if the project has commercial space or other ineligible uh, things like tenant paid amenities, you know, parking, storage, laundry, things of that nature, and allocation of construction costs related to those items is required. Uh, so that's something we look at very closely. So you know, planning up front, you know, coming up with a an allocation methodology or even discussion with the contractor to have them break out those costs specifically on the pay application can really make the process a lot smoother on the back end. Uh, we also focus on things like allocation of legal, professional, loan fees, things like that between construction loan, perm loan, uh, or cost syndication, you know, eligible and ineligible costs. That's something we'd spend a lot of time on. Also on, on deals, rehab deals with tenants in place during construction. Uh, we look at soft costs like interest, taxes, insurance, and evaluate how much can be included in basis versus expensed. Uh, there are different methodologies and elections that can be made on the tax return that can impact the amount that's ultimately included in eligible basis. Perfect. Jeff, um, I know we we talk a lot about, you know, sometimes, that, you know, we talked a lot about here about cost certifications. We know there's many of these other tests and some are kind of cliff tests, right? If you, you don't pass it or it's required. What are, some, what are some of those tests that you also work on? I know I'll just start with, I know the 10% test is something that a lot of times comes up and it, people kind of lose sight of it as well. Yep, the 10% test for 9% light tech deals is important. Uh, it's good to, to understand the requirements in each state that you're working in because they do differ. Um, so it's good to understand that upfront. On 4% bond deals, there's a 50% test calculation that's required. Uh, so that's something not to lose sight on. Sometimes it's included in the cost certification itself. Sometimes it's a separate report. Projects with solar credits need to be evaluated because there could be a reduction in basis for uh, the solar credit. So there could be a report there uh, for that calculation as well. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Before we kind of wrap it up, because this is all good information, I presume too, if you're combining it with historics, it'd be similar to the to the solar and on the reduction of basis. Um, so what about stories, you know, just to give some context to, to some of our listeners, um, are there any kind of lessons learned, you know, regarding when you're dur during these cost search regarding maybe timing or, or or how people are trying to incur cost and and and, you know, maybe maybe give some some instances where certain people had certain assumptions that didn't quite play out. Yeah, lately we've been seeing some issues with construction delays, you know, not surprisingly with everything going on, uh, which has delayed, you know, place and service dates. So it's it's really important to make sure the costs are are all incurred by the end of the calendar year in which tax credits are first claimed. So we've seen instances uh, recently where, you know, costs have been deferred into a subsequent year, uh, which has really created some issues with eligible basis. Um, so there are some strategies to potentially minimize that impact, but 
it's important to identify that issue early, in particular before year end, uh, to understand the impact and see if there's anything we can do to help. Jeff, really, really appreciate you joining us today in the bus house. And uh, listeners, thank you for tuning in today as well. Thank you for listening to Buzz House. To receive a notification when new episodes are available, please subscribe to Buzz House, a Baconteli podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. For additional resources around multifamily housing, check out bakertilly.com. And if you have a suggested topic, please send them to build at bakertilly.com. That's B-U-I-L-D at bakertilly.com.